0: Sangram here, I got a special announcement for you. I have been part of the Peak Community for almost a year now. And here is the thing, less than 1% of the marketers become CMOs. And you know what's even harder? Staying a CMO without a high caliber peer network that can help you beat the odds. In Peak Community, they build a community around you by creating exclusive events and experiences to help you become 1% better each week so you can get promoted, have an impact, and do the best work of your life. This episode that you're listening to is an example of the conversation that happened literally every single day in the Peak community. So check out, the link is below. If you wanna be part of it, it's only for marketers, so make sure you're not a lurker, but someone who wanna have an impact and do the best work of your life. Let's go.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome. My name is uh, Stephen Briarton. I'm the VP and Head of Sales here at ZoomInfo. And with me today, I've got my colleague, Scott Sutton, our VP of Revenue Operations. In today's B2B Sales Marketing Exchange Lab, we're going to take a look at how ZoomInfo and our team rely on ZoomInfo and our product and our data every single day to fuel sort of every aspect of our go-to-market motion. So uh, we're excited to give you guys this inside look here in today's lab. Before we get started, here's our complete safe harbor statement. Uh, as a publicly traded company, uh, we gotta get the legalese out of the way now. And so all that we ask is while you take a look at this, there may be some forward-looking statements. And if you do plan to purchase Zoom Info, my request is that you purchase based upon only what is available today and none of the future-looking statements. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's get to the good stuff. So if you don't know about Zoom Info, who we are, what we do, Essentially, we're helping uh, sales company or sales teams and marketing teams of all sizes, of all different shapes, go to market in a more efficient manner. And the reason why that's really important is because every single night, the world changes. And what that leads to for us, really, is any organization that's going to market and selling or marketing B2B is a potential client for us. To date, uh, we have nearly 18,000 uh, clients that rely on us for this intelligence. And so we've taken that platform, that product, that data, and we've made it an integral part of our success in how we go to market. So the first layer of that, and sort of the most important piece of it, it is that data layer. It's that foundational element that we're gathering from Zoom Info. We then take that, we've layered in a lot of technology, uh, which Scott and his team have done uh, really, really well. It's really critical. But what their charter is to take sort of that sort of th- third layer, that framework layer, our strategy, you know, the, the processes and the workflow, the organization uh, and orchestration, the enablement and content and messaging, all of this stuff that myself and my colleagues sort of want to have accomplished. We rely on Scott and his team to build and actually to put in practice and then use that data layer that we have to sort of feed that machine and continually make it better. Uh, Once those leads come in, whether it's either inbound or outbound teams, uh, we're relying on data and the process to score those leads, which we're gonna take a look at, and how do we optimize to route those leads and to which AEs do we give those so that we have the highest likelihood uh, to fit not only what the customer is looking for, but the highest likelihood to win. We'll talk about how our AEs are served up those demos, what their process looks like, and how those different things are segmented. And then uh, if there is any fallout, uh, what we're doing to to pick those things up and make sure we're plugging any gaps. We'll then take a look at once we win a customer, the journey doesn't stop there. We're constantly measuring and iterating, again, finding the best ways to, to optimize which accounts go to which segment, which uh, account managers are working them? How do we incorporate onboarding into that? Where do we identify upsell opportunities? So we take sort of that motion into the customer onboarding and then all the way through the customer lifecycle. But it all starts at the lead. and That's where I'm going to pass it over to Scott here to talk about sort of what we're capturing, when and why.
0: Yeah, thanks, Steve. So um, like Steve mentioned, it all starts with us at the lead. And to best... You know feed our SDR team with the information from the onset we're using our, our own product here form complete, so with just one field, the email address, we're able to then enrich the data coming in to give them a broad contextual understanding of who's coming in the door, who's looking for uh, for our business, and to better be able to sort and filter and address the needs of those different leads. So what does it all look like when you get that data in as an SDR? So this is an actual view of a record within our salesforce. And you can see, just from you know the most basic information coming in from that lead form, I can tell that this person is a, a global vice president, They're in sales, uh, they're in this, the broadcasting industry. All of this information just from one form field allows us to then better address that um, prospect's need. If I'm an SDR uh, calling back into this lead, I can have a great dialogue about the broadcasting industry. I can understand the the context of of which this person is doing their job and the challenges that they might face. Um, That allows our SDRs to very, very quickly respond um, to that prospect with a really intelligent conversation. So with this process, what does that mean? You know, we get over 10,000 leads per month. We're having 70 inbound SDRs call those back to book 6,500 demos. And one of the absolute hallmarks of our process, and one of the things that leads to our success, all hinges around this 90 second SLA. So Steve, do you want to walk us through what that 90 second SLA looks like and, and how we manage to achieve that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when you think about uh, the importance of of capturing a high volume of leads, the the critical piece of that is engaging them and as quickly you know as quickly as we possibly can. And for us, our benchmark is is ninety seconds or less. When you look at what we've done in comparison to the rest of the market, we've done this at several different events that we've gone to back when. Events existed, and we were speaking live. We would we would secret shop all of the attendees there. And we would go and we would fill out a form, and we did this time and time again. And it wasn't like early stage startup companies. There was a mix of all different organizations. In fact, at one point, we actually did it uh, with our our portfolio uh, private equity firm against all of the companies in the portfolio. And these these sort of averages played out constantly, and it was sort of shocking to see that. Over half of the people that we filled out a form, and it was a real form, it was our CRO, and his actual title, his actual phone number, his actual email address, more than half of them didn't really have any follow-up. Uh, about a quarter of them got back to us about or after an hour. There was only 17% that got back to us within uh, or between two and 60 minutes, and then less than 5% were getting back in within, within two minutes. And it's critical that if you don't have a process dialed in here, that you do so because the odds of, of connecting with those leads will shrink really rapidly. And so you can see sort of here that 10 times decrease from the first few minutes to the, to the hour mark. And so our goal is to constantly figure out how can we get down to 60 seconds? That's sort of the next mission, right? But the only way to do that successfully is if at every single point, you're sort of measuring these different data points. And I I constantly remember like going to lunch with our our CEO or going to grab a coffee and we would just secretly shop. You would like fill out a form and see how fast they were to call us. And it's that level of diligence that you need because as we did that at one point, one of the the SDRs didn't respond in time. Uh, And like we got on them, but then we realized, hey, when the SDR actually saw the lead, he did respond in about 40 seconds, but there was a mechanism that was broken upon lead capture to when we actually delivered it to the SDR. So um, all goes down to sort of that optimization uh, and how this 90 seconds uh, stacks up. Now, as we think about pivoting from inbound to outbound and the, the progression that we have, we, we take a, a one-to-one approach as well as a, a pooled approach. So the pooled outbound SDRs are the ones that are coming up through the ranks. They're supporting multiple AEs in a round-robin fashion. Uh, And as they become more experienced, more tenured, we move them up into uh, a a paired one-to-one scenario where they get paired one-to-one with our highest performing account executives. That's what we call our strategic plus and strategic uh, account executives. So they feed those team members in a one-to-one. The pool of outbound SDRs is feeding all of those segments, again, in that uh, round-robin fashion, and it is dependent upon, as we saw earlier that Scott was talking about, uh, the quality, the size, uh, and the makeup of that lead. That's what dictates which section uh, or which cohort of, of account executives it will go to. Once they get into the account executive ranks, you can see here the ranking from commercial up through strategic plus, uh, that is sort of how we we um, do so, not just by size, of the company there is a component of tenure there uh, as well now, what is sort of underlying this motion, especially from the outbound team um, and i 'm going to have Scott talk about it here, is our data lake This really is the heart of of what 's feeding the machine and where we 're relying on on zoom info data
0: yeah, so uh, the data lake is is a is a funny story, and you know you know, Henry Shuck, our CEO, he he kind of was reflecting on our go-to-market and talking with our CRO, Chris Hayes, about, you know, how are we how are we doing and implementing all of these best practices of, of us using our own application and drinking our own Kool-Aid? And one thing that they came to me with was saying, are we building a data lake and really doing a, a big data strategy like we're telling our clients to do? And so I got chartered with really building out this robust data lake and making sure that all known data that we had on our clients was egg, were aggregated into one common data source. So here we have represented, we have our product data amplitude, um, we have Google 360 data, all of our Salesforce data, the entirety of Zoom info, whether it's account data, contact data, intent, we have all of our email and phone data ported in. Um, there's just an immense amount of, of data. And what that gives you is, is an overall 360 view of every prospect, of every client, of everyone who's come in the door and gives a really deep contextual understanding to the the SDRs, to the AEs, to the AMs as they go and they look to attack certain accounts or deal with leads that are coming in. We understand how to better prospect. We can build data science models uh, and lookalike models. We can suggest different products. So that data at the core is is foundational, uh, ultimately, to how we run that outbound motion. I think one thing over time as well is we use that data lake to then do almost all of our outbound prospecting. So how does that shape up in the numbers? Um, This is one random day that we picked from, you know, September of 2019. And, you know, we're we're nearly double a lot of these metrics now, but it's just a representation of the volume. So, you know, 18,000 emails in a a given day, 5,000 inbound email responses, over 9,000 calls, it's amazing to look at some of these stats. We recently posted that we booked 1,000 demos, over 1,000 demos in one day. And so if you stack that up against the numbers here, um, you know we've been able to evolve incrementally these processes and all those little changes, all those little improvements have led to that increased performance. So one thing I talk to everyone about, if you're in an operational role, you're in a sales role, get started, do something, start to analyze your process. All of those little increments, all of those findings, those experiments will add up to a really outstanding result. And that's, that's something that we live and breathe constantly. So once we, once we actually go and we book a demo, this is where, you know, additionally, some of the magic happens about how we start to, to differentiate and route the demos um, to best suit the the final outcome of the business. So this is an example of a screen that pops up within our Salesforce. So as soon as you have a demo to book, uh, you click a button in the background, we're going to grab the quality of the the demo being booked based on a propensity to both spend ACV and also to win. And based on that, we're gonna qualify the meeting and give it a, a rating based on the combination of those two models. We're then going to stack rank all of our account executives as well as ping their availability in Google. And from all of that data and all of that process, we're going to be able to tell you the exact right AE who's best suited to take a given meeting and who also has the availability free on their calendar. So with just one click of a button now, we are giving the SDR an entire backend tool to check that calendar, to check uh, and and fit the the demo, to assess the best AE, we're taking all of that and and putting best practices around it where it's all one button click happens in less than a second and really we can drive a a much better outcome through that process. Um, Talking about the stack ranking of AEs, uh, Steve, do you want to talk about how you measure uh, the performance of your AEs?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as Scott talked about, it, it's not only identifying which cohort of AEs this should go to, it's sort of the why behind giving that demo to that particular rep. And this is what we look at, or myself and my leadership team looks at, on how we measure the performance of our account executives month in and month out. So we're looking at four main criteria, and we measure this over a trailing 90 days. You know, Month in and month out, there's a little bit too much variability uh, but measuring it over a, a trailing 90 days, it gives you a really good view of uh, sort of that performance of the rep. Uh, and it smooths out some of the spikes that you can have, you know, if somebody took a large vacation or whatever it might be. The four things that we're looking at are uh, over those trailing 90 days are the ACV that the account executive has won, uh, the, uh, their win rate over those 90 days, their average sales price over the 90 days. And then the last one, which, in my opinion, it's the most sort of objective measure of NAE's worth, is uh, their uh, closed ACV uh, per uh, completed good fit demo or created opportunity. The reason why I say this, and we'll look at it um, here next, is because what this gives me uh, a measure against is, is somebody performing really well just because maybe they had more quantity, uh, or is somebody sort of outperforming the volume of leads that they may have gotten? So we take those four data points, we weight them against the average of their peers. So again, we're only measuring them against uh, their particular cohort. So whether they're strategic plus or strategic or commercial or a corporate account executive. And then we also uh, have a view of somebody that's fully ramped versus those that are still just ramping. So again, it really is comparing you just against the average of that grouping of your particular grouping grouping. And then we're measuring how far above um, average or below average you are uh, using those different standard deviations. And then we aggregate those four um, four key metrics into an overall score uh, ranging anywhere from one to eight. So eight being perfect, you're well above average on every metric. Uh, Five is the baseline average. And then one obviously is is at the low end. And we use that, uh, as Scott mentioned, to dictate who we will route those, those leads to, not just in terms of the quantity, uh, but the quality as well. So, this is like a sort of a micro view into that fourth metric that I measure, wherein on the surface, right, if you're just looking at um, closed one in month or closed one over the quarter, or how much they closed in this case over the trailing 90 days, on the surface, you're gonna see like, hey, account executive one and two are my best account executives, and account executive four. Uh, they really need to to pick it up. They're really struggling when you solely look at um, the ACV. However, when you factor it and take a look at, well, how much did we actually feed them? How many good fit demos did they get? How many opportunities did they create? Um, and we use completed good fit demo as a metric because created opportunities. We all know that account kind of executives can be a little bit selective. Uh, they might not create an opportunity. They might wait too long. And so that that metric can be can be gamed a little bit. So we use complete a good fit for every demo that was a good fit by the scoring mechanism. And they had a conversation and they said that, yeah, there is a fit here. I can do something with this. They mark it complete a good fit. And then that way, if they forget to create the opportunity, or if they don't, uh, we have a more objective measure of uh, whether or not that should have been worked. So what this view actually tells me is that account executive two is my most valuable account executive. In this case, You know, she was able to close 225K and I gave her half of the volume of demos that I gave account executive one. Account executive three, again, is my my sort of next best performing. And while it looked on paper that account executive four was the worst, when I factor in the volume that we're giving them, they're actually number three. And account executive number one is the worst performing rep because my most valuable resource, which is the number of demos I have, I'm burning a lot of good fit demos and opportunities on that individual to get relatively low um, ACV back per completed good fit. So that's a big part of our motion on how we uh, both feed and then optimize uh, the account executive performance. Now, despite all of that, there is a process by which like leads get lost, right? People don't show up. Or you know we go through uh, mostly if they don't show up or if if they uh, or we had to move the meeting for whatever reason. There's a, a relatively sizable uh, chunk of demos that we would miss out on if we didn't have a mechanism to a identify those and then b go after those in a strategic fashion. So this is what this that sort of motion is highlighting. For every demo that gets booked, on average. There's going to be you know, in the neighborhood of 25 to 28% of those that ultimately will not show up. And so we take that group that doesn't show up, we have a mechanism to go back after those, and we get 29% of those back, which leads month in and month out on average to 1.2 million in ACV that we otherwise would have missed out on simply because the person didn't show up to that first meeting. By identifying those, by putting a process in place to go back after those, we are able to get 1.2 million in annual revenue each and every single month. Now, um, as we look at the pipeline and how we manage um, the team and and ultimately progress them through their careers, here's like a a quick view of what that looks like. New hires come in as inbound SDRs. Uh, They're fielding just the inbound leads. It's relatively low risk. These people are actively raising their hand. There's very little objection um, uh, overcoming that they need to do. It's mostly, hey, I saw this, I'm interested, I want to talk. So they're able to set those meetings for the account executives in that pooled fashion that we saw. As they progress and move up, they become part of that pooled outbound SDR team. On average, they'll spend a few months there. They'll go into the outbound motion where they're then paired with our most senior account executives. At this point, this is where they're either going to transfer into an account executive and you can see what that process looks like on the right-hand side there after that first year. Uh, and what it looks like over the next three years, or we've gotten proven uh, ability to move them into other areas of the business, to the demand gen function, to the marketing function, to customer success, uh, to account management on our on our RNG side, uh, to operations and product management. This essentially SDR team becomes a feeder pool for the organization. And I'm mean, gonna let Scott talk about this part, but there is like a big motion because it, we're operating at such a high volume, my sellers, um, are, you know, they're really efficient, but they do drop the ball. Um, and so we rely on, on Scott and his team, uh, to help sort of fill that activity gap for us.
0: Yeah. So I, I think, uh, you know, even the best seller in the world with given enough opportunities and enough to manage, they're not going to be able to stay on top of everything. And, and every single, uh, opportunity. And it's not about necessarily even responding to the replies. That's kind of table stakes for that position, but it's how do I nudge these ops? How do I keep them moving? How do I keep the activity high? I think it's been proven time and time again, that high activity, short times between touches, quick follow-ups behind meetings is really going to lead to a better outcome and not let that activity slip. And ultimately the momentum of the deal slip. So we're using automation, whether it's the outbound sequence, at the very head of the process with the SDR, we're sequencing ahead of the demo to remind them to come, to add value, to seed that whole meeting and that trend, uh, the beginning of the transaction. Once we get through the demo, we have custom tailored follow-up drips, which I'll talk about with 27 different follow-up drips based on your persona, what package you're looking at in the platform to, again, drive value, talk to you about how you might find success with our platform, address the pain that you might be experiencing that we can help solve. Once an opportunity is, is open... We're going to help keep that momentum high. We're going to keep driving it forward. And then once a DocuSign is eventually sent, we're going to come behind with executive touches to make sure that you're feeling uh, like you're attended to in the sales cycle, like you're ready to have a partnership with us and, and really help clear any roadblocks on behalf of the sellers and the prospect. So what does that demo you know, follow-up drip end up looking like? So we have many of these different follow-up drips. You know, up to 2,000 contacts um, for some of these motions. And what we're really proud of is across this, we're getting 80% open rates. This is a really incredible amount of, of people who are looking at this content, diving into it. And even if they're not responding, they're consuming your message, they're perhaps um, you know, clicking through, we see a five to 10% click through rate on content. And that's, and that's great. When you look at these rates, I always think about what is the counter? What, is, what, what happens if this doesn't happen? So 80% of people would receive no message in this case. You know, 50% of people, you would have dropped the ball and had no engagement on. And 5 to 10 people wouldn't be in front of a, a piece of content learning more about your product. And so you really don't have a lot to lose in this process. You're driving deals forward, you're engaging them, you're helping them learn about your product, all the while shortening your sales cycle and driving it forward. So now, once we've successfully won that deal, how do we thread that through the entire process of becoming a customer and then uh, ultimately what your customer experience and customer satisfaction? So we're using this data from the entire sales cycle to help fuel what will become the whole customer journey. We've built out a custom-tailored customer journey process by which we're taking your size, your segment, your industry, what products you bought, and we're seeding action items to be done throughout the entire life uh, of, the, of your initial contract. That, for us, creates then an SLA that we're able to meet as a business serving you um, as a client. And it's, it's one of the things that's really led to high compliance, high visibility, and ultimately improved our, our customer satisfaction, which at the end of the day is going to improve your logo and net retention rates. So when, when a count comes across from the AEs and we're looking to assign it out, you know, oftentimes people say, okay, next up, next up, next up. What happens there is while you might achieve a relative balance, you don't have specialization, you don't have true balance. You're not able to attack that count in a more specialized way. So we use account segmentation where we're actually using a machine learning model to predict the propensity of the account to grow and then custom tailoring which AMs are are slated to each account based on that need. So if I have a seller who's really great at dealing with high growth accounts and being able to upsell them and you know, view their journey and help support that help their growth. That's the kind of rep I want on that kind of account. If it's a more steady state account, that's looking to sustain and get value within kind of a a flatter paradigm, someone who's more focused on how do I eke value out of this? How do I support your existing structure where you might not have ever increasing budget and headcount to kind of take on the world? We then overlay this with a really robust balancing mechanism to ensure both on a number of accounts basis, as well as dollar value, that we're balanced not only across the reps, but their expiring periods. So in any given month, we're not overwhelming or underwhelming any any individual rep. Um, So how does that all look then when we get into the customer journey? This is a representation of the kind of swim lane that a client might go through in being supported. And I think one thing you'll, you'll see here is we bring a family to the table when we're serving our clients. And I think as you grow and you have that ability to have custom tailored roles that can really serve the client in a specialized way, it behooves you to have a better experience from whether it's general customer success, learning and development, they really get a, a best in class uh, interaction with our our sales and support team so in this case you know the deal is closed they come in they they might wane in customer health we might where you see they they came down to a c the the red die here is where we'll have an intervening action where we'll trigger a course of events to happen based on that drop in health and we kick the account into a recovery cycle. And then once we kind of uh, intervene and are able to bring the health back up, we can see it progress through its normal journey. If we didn't have that data, if we didn't have that motion, that account going down to a C could continue to decline. It could become a a DNF, it could churn, could lead to a bad customer testimonial, all of these kinds of things that, that could be a really negative outcome for both you and the client. By having this mechanism, having this trigger, and uh, being able to drive our business into action, we're able to recover and ultimately save the relationship, save the account, and add value for that that client. Um, with this, how do we then get visibility in front of leadership and management? So this is just one example of the dashboarding that we've pushed into our whole organization. and you know Steve mentioned being able to get at those metrics with one or two clicks. Oftentimes people say, uh, I want to know how many of my mid-market customers were trained on time and made it through the entire training. That's a really hard stat for most businesses to get to if, if they could get to any version of it. With the way we've instrumented, we're able to capture all those metadata points and show our executive leadership team, um, the, the actual reps doing the trainings and support, what's expected of them, how, how well they're meeting that SLA, And then ultimately we can share differentiated customer outcomes based on how well we follow that process with them. And that leads into the next piece, which is how does that then drive into results? And so one of the most impactful things I think we did in 2019 from a management and leadership standpoint was pull all of our management team together and we focused on giving them all of the data for their given team, their given business. And all of the data that we had at the leadership level, we exposed down to the rep and the frontline manager. And with that, we're able to predict net retention rates down to the day and our pacing and our growth for both new business, for r and I'm able to give line of sight in pipeline build, the activity metrics. There's just a wealth of information that all of us have. And it's one common language and one common set of variables that we can all look at and understand. And there's, there's one source of truth for information.
1: Look, all of that, we've thrown a ton at you guys um, in, in what we're doing. Uh, and all of those different steps have lead, led to uh, some of the different stats that you hear, see here in terms of what we're able to capture. Uh, it is a really well-oiled uh, and operating machine. Guys, we threw a lot at you. I want to say thank you so much to uh, B2B Sales and Marketing Exchange for having us. Uh, Hopefully there's been a lot of value uh, here um, that you guys can take home and implement. Thanks so much, Scott. It was great.
0: Yeah, thanks. It was a great opportunity. Uh, Hope you guys got some great value and uh, yeah, give us some feedback. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player.